0: Welcome back to the Flow Track Podcast. My name is Lincoln Shrike, joined today by Gordon Mack. And we also have Oklahoma State head coach Dave Smith joining us on the show. There's a lot of chaos going on with the running world, with fall sports being postponed, possible March 15th NCAA Cross Country Championships. We'll get into all that. But first, Dave, how are you today?
1: Good, doing well, hanging in there. Um, had practice this morning and Spent some time with my own kids and now uh, kind of getting on the rest of the day.
0: What has the last six months been like from you uh, as a, from a, a coaching perspective dating back to uh, being at NCAA indoors and, and that getting wiped out and the uncertainty that has followed?
1: Well, I didn't go to NCAAs because I was supposed to leave and then things started getting really hairy and it kind of looked like we weren't going to go, so I didn't go. And then uh, I was supposed to leave on Thursday, and then we canceled Thursday night. And, I, I, you know, Wednesday evening, I said, I'm not going to go down there because it doesn't look good. So I didn't go. Um, But since then, you know, my nature is kind of to play out in my head, worst case scenarios. So uh, for me, I went to a really dark place right away and just sort of thought, you know, college athletics is in trouble, the NCAA is in trouble, my job's in jeopardy, um, how are we gonna get through this? And I kind of saw the whole house of cards coming down and kind of prepared myself for really the worst. And so I talked to my coaching colleagues, both here at OSU and then other track and cross country coaches across the country. And they're now coming to a place where I kind of was a long time ago. And so for me, Every little thing we've heard has been a step up from where I thought we might be. So for me, things have been getting better and better and better as the falls after the summer and the fall's gone on. And so I feel pretty good about things. I'm like, man, this is way better than I thought it'd be. We just took a 20% salary reduction. Um, and to me, I was like doing cartwheels because I had kind of said, I told my wife at one point, I go, look, I've always said I would do this job for free, and we're about to find out because I think we may get furloughed or know, or hundred percent salary reduction, or it might take absolutely drastic measures to keep athletic departments afloat this, this next year. And I said, so we better buckle up and hold on to our seats because I might be working for free for a year. And so I was ready for that. And then when I found out it was 20%, I was like, Whoa, I just got an 80% raise.
0: <laughs> well, that's a good, that's a good <laughs> way to look at it. <laughs> Positive way.
1: Yeah. Well, well it's, they started in a very negative place. I I saw. I mean, I honestly, when they canceled the NCAA basketball tournament, I was like, "Man, this is not good. This this there. It's going to be hard to recover from this. That's a lot of lost revenue."
2: You mentioned how you were thinking worst case scenario back in March when you see a fellow Power Five school like Minnesota have to put an end to their men's track program. What was your reaction from that decision? Um. You know, I feel
1: heartbroken for them and their alumni and the guys, the guys in that team. Uh, Minnesota is, um, you know, perennially a great program, both in track and cross country. Um, they've been kind of a, you know, one of the uh, mainstays on the national scene, and it's it's hard to see a program like that at a university with an athletic department in the Big Ten be in that scenario, and and you know. We can second guess everybody's decisions all day long and it does no good. It's just, uh, you know, it's sobering to think that a place like the University of Minnesota has gotten to the point where they're going to cut track and field. I, I think, you know, it, that's that's hard to see.
2: Do, do you feel like that um, because the Big 12 and other Power 5 schools have decided to go on with football, that that has been a huge reason why – Like you said, you're not taking 100% salary reduction. You're only taking a 20%.
1: Well, I don't think this is over. I mean, I think to think that, you know, the cuts have been made and we're good and we're going to move forward and everything's going to be great. I mean, at OSU, I think we're still, after all of our, you know, our operations reductions, our salary reductions, some furloughs, some layoffs, we're still looking at possibly a $30 million shortfall between what we're bringing in and what we're trying to spend. So that 30 million has to come from someplace. And I think we're not alone. I think we're probably positioned better than most because our athletic department debt is so low compared to our normal you know, budget. And our debt service isn't a huge chunk of what we do. But you know, across the country, there's a lot of programs and a lot of athletic departments that are facing similar shortfalls or more and also have big debt service they gotta figure out how to, how to take care of. So. I don't think this is out of, the, we're out of the woods yet. I think you know we've gone through the first round, and most of us are still standing. But you know we have lost some programs in that first round, including you know, like you said, Minnesota, Power Five program.
0: Some of the criticism when Minnesota cut their track team was focused, and, and I'm sure there was criticism prior to this, but it was focused on, well, these athletic programs aren't managing their money very well. And I know the pandemic has hurt people that were prepared possibly the best as as possible, but uh, do you, I know it's an institution by institution basis, but do you think that's a serious problem in the NCAA, that money is not managed well by athletic departments?
1: I think a couple of things. First of all, I've heard this criticism of athletic directors and programs, and it's usually by people who are about to get their salaries cut and, and it hurts, they don't want their salary cut. And they're basically saying, if my salary is cut, myself and my family can't survive this. And my kind of, what I think is like, look, if you expect your university to plan for a once in a hundred year pandemic that destroys the economy and be ready for that, then at the very least, you should be ready personally, right? And most of us don't plan for, you know, a a once in a hundred year pandemic or or anything else, you know, a world war or something that might totally disrupt the economy globally, and change the way we do things. So I don't criticize a lot of these. I I don't think it's fair to criticize some of these athletic departments and say they mismanage their money in terms of not having a full year's worth of um, expenditures in reserve. I think that's most of us don't have a year's worth of our expenditures in reserve. Um, On the other hand, if you look at the way the increase in spending in athletic departments has gone up pretty much exponentially over the last 20 years, Um, you know, you can say we were, we were, we we were kind of drunk on excess for a while and it looked like the gravy train was going to keep on rolling and the money was going to keep coming in. And, and we spent, I think a lot of places spent, like a lot of us do, they spent money they didn't have knowing it was coming in, in the future. And, um, when that future gets disrupted, man, it puts you in a tough spot. So I think that this whole thing is going to reset college athletics. I think a lot of the excesses we've had and a lot of the things we've taken for granted, you know, chartering flights and, you know, instead of taking a bus or spending two or three extra nights in a hotel at meets or um, just a lot of the things we've done that have been, that weren't even considered, wouldn't even dreamed of 20 years ago. We're probably going to set ourselves back 20 years and say, Hey, let's go, let's reset and go back to where we were. I think probably some salaries are going to be reset. I think, um, budget, uh, you know, team budgets are going to be reset. And it's going to be probably for a lot of us much more, not only regional, but more local competition rather than, hey, let's ever we on a plane and fly to Seattle or fly to Boston or fly to San Francisco or whatever. I think probably those days are going to be curtailed significantly, uh, probably for the next four or five years at least until we can recover
2: from this. There's been a lot of developments in the status of cross country, obviously a month or few month or two ago, it was canceled, and now we're thinking we might have it in March. What is your understanding of where things stand with the potential of a NCAA cross-country championship happening this school year?
1: Well, the, you know, the, um, the sport committee recommended to the COC that we contest cross-country. The COC, I think, was, was on the fence and kind of leaning towards not contesting cross-country. It would be the only fall sport they were planning to not contest. I think well, some of the arguments I heard is that, well, you know, cross country athletes have indoor track, but in reality of the 255 men and 255 women that go to the national championships in cross country every year, about 12% of them go to the indoor championships. So even the all Americans in cross country, not all of them make it to indoor nationals. So to say to a cross country athlete, hey, don't worry about it, you got, you got indoors isn't fair to cross country athletes. And that really rubs me the wrong way as a cross country coach, that cross country gets swept under this track blanket, like it's the same sport. And the reality is most track and field athletes do not go to cross country nationals. And most cross country athletes that go to nationals do not go to indoor championships or outdoor championships. They're really different sports with some crossover. So um, I think there was a kind of a, a lot of feedback from the coaching association from different conferences uh, from different coaches and the COC, whatever was or wasn't the case, they ended up recommending to the D1 council that we um, continue with cross country, um, planned in the, in the winter. And I, and the D1 council has, I think, did they vote on that last week? Yeah. I can't remember. I think the D1 council, if, if they haven't voted on last week, they're about to, and then it goes to basically to the board of governors. So it looks like we're on for at least planning um, a cross country nationals March 15th.
0: Where does that leave you with this being currently in flux and the the meet, if it happens, is scheduled to be on your course, at least of, as of last update. Uh, yeah. What are you doing now to prepare for the meet? And maybe what are you not doing, noting that it's possible it doesn't happen?
1: Well, we are gonna operate um, that we're on until we're off. It's kind of like everything right now, right? Everything is until it isn't. And so I think the best practice is to plan on it being there. And if we're over-prepared and ready to go and then we don't get it, well, it's disappointing, but no harm done. If we plan on, hey, it's probably isn't gonna happen and the last minute we find out, better scramble and get yourself together because we're having this meet. Well, that <laughs> that's hard to do. So um, I'm optimistic. I think it's, it's not difficult under the pandemic to have a cross-country season. I think the, the nature of the sport being outdoors, um, if you can test your athletes 24 hours prior, which like we can now with rapid testing and get you know negative results for all who are racing, it's pretty safe. And so I think that um, at least for cross-country, we've got a great chance of pulling it off. So I'm excited about it. We What we are doing is we're, like I said, we're preparing that we're going to be a full go. It sounds like the fall will be taken into consideration when planning for, or qualifying for the championships in March. And probably that's only fair. I think there's a lot of programs that might want to participate that can't really get to good cross country meets in January and February due to weather. So let them show out now in the fall and and just assume that that same team is gonna be for the most part intact when they get to March. Um, So that means we're gonna have a good season. We're gonna have two races here on our home course, October 3rd and October 17th. And then we're gonna go to, to the big 12 championships in, Kansas, uh, in Lawrence, Kansas, and we're going to try to win that. I think the winner of our conference will have a really good chance of being selected to the Nationals. So we're going to try to take as much doubt out of the equation and win our conference. You,
2: you, you talk about winning your championship gives you a good chance of making Nationals. How will they, do you think, are they going to make, decide who goes to Nationals? We're used to having a regional system with points mm. and a regular season like that. What is the thought of what they're gonna do to try to qualify those 255 athletes?
1: My best guess is that they are going to um, just select teams.
2: They're gonna take one through
1: 31, just they're gonna pick them. Who, who would pick? The NCAA committee. So the sport committee oversees all championships, right? So the NCAA sport committee governs how the national, they govern how we qualify, when we can qualify, how the meets run, how, what the nationals actually looks like, what the rules of a sur- qualifying, it's all determined by the committee, like every other sport. So in basketball, you have a sport committee that selects the 65 teams that go to the tournament, right? In every other sport, soccer, the soccer committee selects the teams that actually go, there's some automatic qualifiers, but they select the rest. Cross country is gonna have to be the same way now, where we're used to an objective formula that we can all know what the answers is, we can plug it into a computer, and we can know before the NCAA announces who's going, who's not. Most sports don't have that. There's a subjective component to it where a committee is sitting in a room discussing who deserves to go and who doesn't. I think our sport will be much more like that this time around.
0: Do you think, do you think there's any I was just going to say, do you, do you think there's any possibility that this system could go so well and they say, well, wow, this, this worked really well. And every other sport does this, it could maybe just fully replace the regional system going forward.
1: I think um, that would be very difficult for the people doing it. I think they're in for a world of stress and anxiety this winter. When you try to pick teams, no matter what you do, you're going to have you know 10 teams furious that they didn't get selected, right? And um, there's no way to make everybody happy. And I think maybe we're a little spoiled and we've got this objective system that we've used in the past. It works pretty well. I think if you're thinking, has there been a time in the last, you know, 20 years where the anybody in the top 10 teams that would be a consensus top 10 team was not selected? I think the answer would be no. I think for the most part, everybody in the top 10 makes it, probably everybody in the top 20. And I would argue that really, we're probably 25 strong. We probably get the... the 25 of the top 25 teams in on most years so I would say it's unlikely to change because it's simple there's no argument we can feel bad about it we can think the rules should be different but it's an algorithm you know we know we know how it works and um, with a little nuance that we've seen in the past where there can be some you know subtleties in how certain selection procedures are interpreted but at the end of the day there is a program there is a a set method of how we determine who gets to go. I think cross country so, coaches will like that. I don't think, in, in the old days, look, before you guys were following the sport, when I was running, um, it was a selection. You had your, your automatic qualifiers and then a committee sat in a room and decided who got to go. And we got away from it because a lot of people felt like certain coaches would call their buddies on the committee and say, hey, get me in, you know, we did this and that, whatever. And, you know, we go way back and there was this sense i think probably not really fair but there's a sense that it was a good old boy network and that you know certain people would help them their their friends and coaching get in when maybe a more deserving team didn't get in and that the the psychology of well this team has been good forever therefore they should probably be selected it's hard to to do that psychology and say well Oklahoma state was really terrible this year and yes they qualified you know 19 of the last 20 years, but this isn't one of them. We shouldn't take them. I think people got tired of that, of you get in because you were good before. And so we went to this more objective system. And I think now we're kind of married to it. So I would would think it'd be hard to go to move away from it again.
2: Do you think this committee, will this committee be a bunch of cross-country minds or is it like, so will they know that whoever wins the Sunbelt Conference is not as good of an auto lock compared to who wins the PAC 12? Um, well, the committee is made up
1: of coaches and administrators, right? And administrators can be at the conference level. So people representing certain conferences or from universities, um, they can be, but usually aren't athletic directors like head athletic directors. They're often sports supervisors or um, SWAs or deputy um, athletic directors. And then they can be conference commissioners, but they really haven't been in the last 15, 20 years. Those people more like to be on basketball committees and, you know, I think things that seem a little more sexy. So um, it's typically people that sometimes you get people that don't have a lot of real experience with cross country. And the coaches can be track coaches or cross country coaches. And some of them are really experienced in cross country. And understand it, and some of them might be more track oriented or track experienced, and be you know kind of more familiar with the inner workings of track. So, in any given year, you probably have three, you know, probably one to three or four people that really are in the the the, the woods with cross country and understand, you know, kind of start top to bottom how cross country works. Um, I feel really good about the committee that is is serving right now. There's some really good people on there. And so people that really understand the sport. I think some really smart people. So I'm pretty confident that they'll do a really good job selecting. I'm not worried about it. And um, you know, I think whether I'm in or out, I know that the people on there are going to do a good job. I think, you know, one of the guys, well, I'm not going to call anybody out. There's some really good people on there that I think are going to do a good job.
0: Do you have a sense among the coaching population across cross-country and track and field in the NCAA right now, who is kind of forming the, and I don't expect you to name names, but who is forming the resistance against having cross-country in the winter? I, and I bring that up because you, you said the D1 Council, and when they kind of voted on this last week, they had a quote, and it said that there was, quote, concern in the membership of the conflict of having a cross country season with a potential track season. Who who exactly is, is not wanting this to happen, cr- cross country?
1: I don't, it's a good question. And you know, in my conference, we had a conference call with head coaches and we were kind of mixed bag whether we should have it or not. And my argument was, look, we are all head coaches or directors of programs that includes cross country. And therefore we should be fighting for cross country athletes. And I used the same argument I used earlier. I said, look, cross country, Indoor track is not, a cross, is not a distance runners event. I mean, really the 5,000, I guess you can say is a distance race, um, in my mind, it's kind of a middle distance race. 3K and down to me are middle distance races and are dominated by people, especially on the men's side, that aren't necessarily the best cross country athletes. Now you get some that are, can do everything, right? And there's no doubt about that. I think there was 30 men that made it to cross country nationals that also made it to indoor nationals last year and 31 uh, sorry 31 men and 30 women so there is a certain percentage to get, get to do both but for the other 220 athletes that went to cross-country nationals um indoors isn't necessarily a viable option so in my in, in my program i find it really hard to get athletes firing on all cylinders for cross-country then indoor track then an outdoor track and when we've gone what, done well in cross country, this is, let's come back in indoor and really try to get it done. We'll get some people through to nationals, but then by the time we get to outdoors, we're just out of gas. And even if we make it to the national championships, I mean, I've had guys that were elite athletes get last in the 10k at nationals. Just basically all they could do is jog around the track because it took everything they had to get there at the end because they're just out, it's just too much. So um, typically what we've done recently in the more recent past is we run hard in cross country indoor season, it is or it isn't. We don't really, we run very, very few 5Ks. I almost never run anybody in a 5K. It has to be someone really special or I won't even try. And then um, we'll try to come back outdoors and be ready again. So we've kind of, at least at the national level, brushed off uh, indoors. I think a lot of good programs have. I was talking to a really good friend of mine in coaching who, um, I'm not going to mention his name, it'll be obvious. Well, true, true. Mike Smith from Northern Arizona. And he was talking about how, you know how they've been really good recently and he's got some superstar athletes and even for them you know (laughs) nationals outdoors last year was almost one race too long they were really rolling until we're talking about 2019 until they got to the national meet and then they started to run out of gas and they just they just didn't have that same fire they had had for really 10 and a half months or whatever it was and um you know he said the same thing and i i just think it's hard and so for me, that doesn't seem like it's a struggle. Um, I'm gonna run cross country in the fall. I might run a race or two in the in the winter, maybe not. And if we get selected, then we will go to the cross country championships. If I have a guy who's qualified to the indoor championships and the cross country championships, um, if he's a miler, I might say, hey, go and run the mile. Let's come back and run cross country two days later. I don't think it's, I think I don't think it's impossible. Um, if he's a 3K, 5K guy, I might say, let's make some decisions. And I'll probably let that kid decide. You to go on the 5K at Nationals? You wanna come help your team try to win a national title? From my experience, most guys would rather come, you know, if we're a good team, they'd rather go to cross country nationals. If we're a team that looks like we're gonna be 30th, they might run into track, but I'd let them decide.
2: I yeah, think my but,
1: attitude, let's be permissive. that's my attitude, be permissive. I don't wanna stop anybody from doing anything. If if you and your program wanna do it this way, go for it. If you'd rather do it this way, go for it. But don't tell me what I can or can't do. And I hope they don't say to an athlete, you have to choose indoors or cross country because you're putting a kid in a really tough spot. If he says, okay, I wanna do cross country and his team doesn't get selected. Well, that's hardly fair because now he doesn't get, he gets nothing when he maybe could have gone indoors. My hope is that they say, it's up to each each institution institution to manage this just like it is in other multi-sport. You know, we had a girl in the past here who was an indoor and outdoor track athlete, but also played basketball. So we had a manager you know, um, she was mostly, she was on a basketball scholarship. So she was a great high jumper. So she did both sports at once and no one from the NCAA said, you can't do that. I would hope they would do the same thing and just know that between, you know, coaches and athletes, they can figure this out. My other point is that, you know, these young men and women we're talking about, I keep hearing that we've got to protect them. We got to, you know, not abuse them and that's all true. But I think that these men and women we're talking about are old enough to sign up for our military and go over to internet, to foreign places, and be in life and death situations, and make life and death decisions, and we trust them at 18 years old to do that, I think we can trust them to figure out how many races to run, you know, between themselves, their parents, and their coaches, I think we can figure it out and not put
2: anybody in in harm's way. So it's it's not decided yet if it would be indoor or cross country, or you could do both, because You know, I think about you, like think about your team a few years ago. Imagine you had German Fernandez on your team and you had a podium quality team, championship quality team. What would you do with someone like German who could win a mile or be a top five guy for your cross-country
1: team? And I remember German ran 355 in the mile. He broke the NCAA record. He was the world indoor junior record holder, the American junior record holder. He won our conference by 10 seconds in the 355.02. He'd also run 747 that year. Fastest junior time ever. No one ever mentions it because it was on Washington's track, so therefore it doesn't count. But it's still 3,000 meters. He went 747 as an 18-year-old. He was ranked number one in the mile by two seconds faster than anybody else in the country, and number two in the 3K behind Galen Rupp. He didn't run nationals because he wanted to go to Amman, Jordan, and run the Worlds. And we started looking at his schedule. he had run fast 356 against Dorian O'Reilly in the middle end of January. Then he had gone and run 747 in the middle of February. Then at our conference meeting, he went 355. And then he was going to go to nationals and then turn around a week later and fly over to, to um, Amman, Jordan and try to run uh, World Cross. And so we had a discussion and say, hey, let's pick one or the other. And he said, I'd rather do World Cross. I said, okay, fine. So he didn't run He didn't run, uh, in civil A's. Hmm.
2: So I guess you have experience with dealing with someone choosing something over and say- Yeah, place.
1: I, I know what athletes pick. I mean, I think this is, this, what we do- I, we get conflicted and I think coaches are conflicted because salaries and bonus structures and your self-esteem are all tied up into how athletes perform. But really we're here for athletes and, you know, it's their dreams, it's their talent, it's their goals. And I think track and field and cross country to a lesser extent, but certainly track and field is really an individual sport. And, um, I want to help people do the things that they dream about, that get them excited, um, that motivate them, and you know, try to take our own egos and, and bonus structures and stuff like that out of it, and let these athletes do what they think is important. So, I'm gonna let athletes choose if they wanna. They'd rather go for indoor track and blow off cross country. I got some really good middle distance women who I think can help me in cross country. They may say, "No, I'd rather go for the DMR and go to the nationals and run the DMR." Well, if that's what they want to do. We'll go for it
0: you you we're talking about the the option between indoor and and cross country kind of i guess assuming that indoor is going to be a a reality or a a possibility and i don't want to ask you to be a a pandemic expert but d- is it reasonable to expect that indoor could even happen even in a scaled down ca- uh capacity given the fact that we know that this virus passes easier ind- indoors
1: i don't see how not to be a pessimist, but again, I go, I go to worst case scenarios. And I'm looking at this thinking, if you're going to design an event to spread this virus, I'd design an indoor track meet. Cause you have people yeah. running hard, breathing hard. They're on top of each other. It's crowded. Um, everybody gets that indoor hack and cough. Well, you are just confident in, you know, projecting all kinds of stuff into the air that's then recirculated. Um, yeah. to me, I think many of the tracks we have relied on heavily in the last 10 years are going to be offline because if you're a football school that has a track in it's football building and you're playing spring football now and it's 35 degrees and raining sideways in January, you're probably not practicing outside. You're not going to let some track coach set up um, for a track meet and take four days out of your practice schedule. That's just not, I just don't see how it's going to happen in some of these places. So I think some of these um, places will be taken off by the need for football to use their facilities. Some places will be taken offline by their local or state governments. I think, um, you know, there's some States that are being really protective and, um, much more, um, limiting of what people can do indoors. I think some of them are in, we have tracks in some of those States where in the past, they've hosted several good meets that they might not be able to host this this year because their local authorities or state, or they State health, health departments might say, you're not putting 2,000 people in a building. You can put 50 in there, right? Well, by the time you get out with officials and timers and meet personnel, there's no, there's no room left for athletes. So I, I think it's going to be hard.
2: Do you think there would ever be a chance that they would then maybe just extend outdoor season and let people run outdoor track like in February well, or well, March? track is actually already started,
1: right? You can run outdoor track meets, honestly, starting in September if you want to. The difference is the sport committee who governs when you can qualify says you can't qualify until March. That's the window, right? In the old days, again, when I was running, people would finish cross country season, then they'd go to a warm weather place in December and run a 10K and qualify for nationals. Because back then the date was December 1st when you could start qualifying. And so people would go in December, run a 10K someplace with nice warm weather, everybody get qualified and then they take three months off and come back to track in March that's changed but it could change back right that's just a committee decision what's the window and the committee decides when you can qualify it's not a big process it doesn't take a lot of bureaucracy or red tape to get through the committee can say hey for whatever reasons we're extending qualifying from january 1st until you know until the last day of, of qualifying before the regional meet
0: can so you help me understand you, you a little bit a, of the you, go ahead
2: sorry no we, we me me and Lincoln before we did this podcast decided we're going to do two questions each and I have completely ignored <laughs> that rule and that's why I keep on talking okay. over everyone so I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> um
0: I was going to ask how you're possibly sorting out the mess of you've got some of the some of these athletes that you anticipated would be graduated by now they're going to be out of eligibility and that serves perfectly into incoming freshmen now you maybe have people holding on to their eligibility, but you still want to sign incoming freshmen. Like how is this screwing up recruiting from the standpoint of allocating scholarship dollars?
1: Well, fortunately I'm at a school where my athletic director was a walk-on golfer here 50 years ago and he became an All-American. And then the day he graduated, he became the head coach. And then he won eight national championships as a golf coach in the middle of Oklahoma, right? In the middle of USA, it's not really a golf mecca. And he built what has become one of the most successful golf programs in NCAA history. So he understands um, being an athlete. He understands being an athlete in a non-revenue sport. He understands being a walk-on. He understands that your dreams and ambitions as a walk-on are no different than a full scholarship Heisman candidate football football player, right? To you, your goal is exactly as important as, as, as that guy trying to win the Heisman. So. He has always been athlete first, which is why I have always um, been committed to OSU. I just love the philosophy here. And he committed since day one to, we are going to honor every scholarship. And not only that, for anybody who gets their clock extended by this COVID, we are going to continue their scholarships as long as they're permitted to be here and want to be here. So for us, we've got, for example, two women coming back who are middle-distance runners that will come back this spring That would have been out of eligibility. Both of them are on big scholarships, and both of them, if they stayed, would have would have presented problems for me because I'd already signed people to replace them. But because the NCAA said those scholarships for athletes that had their senior or the last season disrupted by the shutdown can come back, and you can still give them a scholarship without counting against your totals. The problem is you got to pay for it, right? And a lot of places are budget crunches, but. Like I said, my athletic director has said since day one, we are going to honor every scholarship and we're going to extend everybody's scholarship as long as they can possibly be here and want to be here. So um, for me, it hasn't been a problem. It's been like, man, this is awesome. Instead of having 18 scholarships in the women, I've got 20 this year. And on the men, instead of 12, I could have 14 because we're going to extend scholarships. Now, because of what's happened in the fall, the same thing has happened for cross country. We are all going to run. This is, we could go win the national championship. I could have a guy win the national championship and he's burnt no eligibility, right? So I got Ryan Smeaton, for example, who's, this would be his fifth year. He's gonna run for us. Um, Hopefully we do really well. We're gonna run our conference meet. We're gonna run the national meet. And then he's gonna get another fifth year next year, a sixth year, right? But he's on a scholarship, a big scholarship. We're gonna have to support that. Well, it's gonna come from the fact that we are allowed to extend scholarships. So.
2: So, it's is it known that the cross country season in the winter will be like these Big 12 championship where everyone can run or not run and doesn't matter with eligibility? Yep. yep. So, the teams determined. that we. That's no, determined okay, by so, the board of government. No false. So, sports. that includes this winter one. Mm-hmm. Okay. I didn't know if so they took that away with, once you, they give in you in the a national winter national championship. Country. Sorry, what? I didn't know if like, I knew that was the rule for the fall sports, but I thought since they then rescheduled the fall sports, then the eligibility is back on or no. So the winter cross country championship doesn't count towards eligibility basically.
1: Nothing any fall sport athlete does this year, whether it be fall or spring counts against them because it's too uncertain, right? At any point you don't know when that sports gonna be canceled again. And so as coaches and as athletes, we are facing this dilemma. Do we go for it and burn eligibility and then lo- lose our championship? Like what happened to indoor athletes last year, right? Where they got all the way up to indoor championship. And for many of those, the, the best track athletes, the only thing they care about is indoor meet, right? The indoor indoor nationals. But that got taken away and they didn't get their season back. So you were basically were faced forced to face this poker game of, do we go for it? Do we not? Do we, you know, and to take away that uncertainty, not only from track, but from all sports, they just said, look, whatever you do this year, doesn't count. It was the right thing to do, I think.
2: I guess I'll go one more time. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) I guess, uh, well, I want to follow up on a a thing that you talked about many years ago. When you first met Lincoln, you referred to Lincoln as a member of the flow track D squad, not the D squad, (laughs) not the C squad, but the D squad. I was wondering (laughs) Lincoln's been now been at flow for a few years now. Has he upgraded <laughs> to at least a C squad or B squad? Or where is the status of Lincoln on his squad tier in flow track?
1: You know, Lincoln, um, he had some holes in his game when he started. His, his, his three-point shooting was atrocious. Um, mm-hmm. He was a good hustler, a good rebounder. The guy would track mm-hmm. down loose balls. He was kind of your uh, Dennis Rodman. But in that time, he's worked on his game. He has moved up the ranks. I think he's, you know um at least an a squad at flow track he's probably um, been working on mvp type seasons you know he's got he's got a few years to go for the mvp if you talk nationally but but definitely he's um yeah he's he's an a squad he's a starter he's a guy that um probably without him you're gonna lose five or six games you wouldn't otherwise lose i think you guys got a great squad and all around you can you can cover most games you can cover for for this lack of production but you're going to lose some that would have otherwise won if
2: he's out. Yeah, Dave, that's I, thought, appropriate. I thought this was going to be an. Op- I thought this was going to be an opportunity for you to continue to dunk on Lincoln, but right. now you just elevated him. I just turned it into a a praising. There was Lincoln a couple sessions.
0: dunks. I, that was a couple dunks in there. It's all good. It was it was a good introduction to, you know, that has been, 2014, which seems like uh, a long time ago. But you know, I got the appropriate introduction to Stillwater with when Bobby was still there, he gave me kind of the, 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 the tough love too. So it was, uh, I, I, it was good. You know, we had a good, we had a good first, first meeting, but everything's been all roses since then. So I, uh, you gotta remember,
1: there was some, some pretty rapid turnover there at flow track for a while. Where, there you was. know, these walk ons are coming in and getting cut. Another walk-on is <laughs> coming in and getting, cut. and you're just like, after a while you get, you get tired of these guys you think, man, you know, come on recruit dude what, what's going on over there you, you guys gotta assign yep. some some blue gippers. and uh <laughs> you know lincoln may have been a walk-on but he's risen to the point of you know we were That's... in the the team meeting the other day and and uh whoever it was um floriani or someone who was standing around they said they had some beer production at the end of it they said hey by the way they threw a towel to lincoln the open inside was mm-hmm. a full scholarship every step and cheer and kind of patted him on the <laughs> back
0: so. would love that yeah <laughs> yeah, it's it's been nice to, after six years to receive a paycheck. That was a big that was a big thing for me. No, uh, I I do want to turn it back to a, a serious topic for a second. Uh, the uh, I guess not serious, but more more serious than that. Uh, for the last couple years at Oklahoma State, well, first off, when I think Oklahoma State, when I was running, I would see you guys at the Midwest Regional. You you guys would would jog the Midwest Regional, go to Nationals, either win or or finish on the podium. The last few years with the program, you've had superstars on both sides, but for whatever reason, you maybe haven't had to, been able to string it together, five athletes for the men, five athletes for the women. Are you now closer than maybe you have been to having a, a full established cross country season that, or team that's gonna compete for podiums than maybe you have been in the last couple of years?
1: Yeah, I think that um, we went through some lean years there. Like you said, we had some, some, some guys that it's too bad we couldn't surround them with some, some help because we had some really good athletes and guys like Craig Nowak or Josh Thompson or Hassan Abdi, um, uh, Isai Rodriguez, who's still here. You know, we've had some some issues and um, you know, lar- eventually it comes down to the head coach and I think um, we had some some toughness problems, probably some culture problems, some focus problems And a big part of it was my attention was divided. I was probably serving on too many committees. I have two children of my own now. It took a while for me to figure out how to balance that, you know, raising your own kids and then trying to be, I mean, when I first started here, I was a a 90 hour a week guy minimum. I just did, I just never left the office and just recruited or or worked in the office nonstop. And, um, I think, so my part is I kind of finally got that figured out. I got a nice balance going. I think that, um, we probably had, um, you know, we had some addition by subtraction. I think that our team culture right now, we've always had talent. I think our team culture right now is better than it's been probably in six or seven years. And it's not any one person, it's just chemistry in a group of people. Um, I think I keep telling the guys this this is the best team I've had since 2010. And that includes 2011, and 2012, 2013, when we were um, second, first, and third. I think this group of guys, whether we win this year or not, a win is coming. I mean, we're, or, or in the in the race for a win is coming soon. And um, we got some great young guys. Um, I, I love our attitude. I'm watching today at practice. Just you know, in the we had some guys struggle. We worked out really hard on Saturday. Today was a bit of a struggle. And I'm watching some guys, and I'm. I'm pulling them out of workouts and hey, that's enough for you. And guys are are, I mean, visibly pissed off that I'm not letting them finish the workout or whatever. And you know that's a good sign. Um, Before I have guys say, yeah, you're right, I'm I'm done, and it it would be no fight to keep going. So, I think we get guys that believe. We got guys that are training hard, Um, just looking. We we do very similar things year in and year out. Year out doesn't change a lot, and looking at the the way we're running and workouts at this time of the year there's no question we haven't had a a team with depth even well upfront power and depth um like this since 2010. so we've been comparing ourselves to the 2009 year 2009 we won um we barely squeaked by we had um i think we went like 9 10 13 28 and 97. and 97 was german and if you remember that was the year he uh he ended up um Becoming a vegetarian for a little while and didn't know how to manage it and didn't really tell anybody and was anemic and just kind of ran the whole year with anemia and we didn't know until afterwards and kind of got them tested. Oh God, that, that explains it. But, um, but we hung on to win and, and barely squeaked it out. I think we beat Oregon by 12 or 16 or 15 points, something like that. And um, we've been looking at the workouts from that year. Um, just the depth we have here is way better. The the, the number of bodies doing similar things to the top group at that time. I just think, you know, it's not necessarily that every guy's as good as John Kosky, who was second in nationals in the 10 K and eighth in cross country and 13th in the year I'm talking about. Um, they're not as good as he was. They're running similar workouts. So they might be in the neighborhood. I think it's tough to be as good as he was. And I mean, John could sandbag it all year and then show up at nationals and dominate. So, um, I think we're, I think we're really good. I, I'm excited. And, you know, I keep telling guys, it's just my luck that we, we went through four or five, six years of kind of struggling. We finally got it put back together. And of course, now we got this asterisk here, you know, where, where we might have a national championships. It might be half the teams. It might be two thirds of
2: teams. It might be, I don't know who's going to show up, but, um, but I think we're pretty good. Are you uh, healthy on the men's side? And I mean, there's a lot of guys yeah, right on the Oklahoma State. Got, um, that people, yeah, we don't. Like is he side we
1: healthy? We don't have anybody in our top group who's missing time. We have one guy who's missing time, uh, but he's been missing time for three years from one thing or another. He he hasn't raced for us in three years. Then super talented guy, a guy who ran basically 14 flat and 4 flat in high school or thereabouts, um, and he is. Um, you know it's just heartbreaking because he works hard he does everything right and he just can't get healthy doesn't matter if he he thinks about running he gets hurt so um other than than that one athlete we are all everybody is running right now we have one guy who i'm not letting do workouts because he's had some hamstring niggles but um but he's running you know about 60 70 volume right now and kind of almost coming back to full volume so we're pretty good and honestly, that was what, one of the things that went really well for us for about seven years. We didn't take an injury in our top seven for seven years. Every single year, the group I thought was my top seven, we didn't lose anybody. And um, that, that was kind of the secret to success. Or if we did lose a guy, we had a guy you know, very similar to step in and replace. So it was, um, it was kind of a, I wish I knew what magic we had back then that stopped people from getting hurt. But we just never dealt with injuries.
0: I, one more question. We'll we'll let you get out of here. I know you have you have kids to contend with. Uh, we all know Midwest weather can be unpredictable any time of year, but I think of a potential March fifteenth national championship in Stillwater, and I imagine it could e- either be very very nice or brutally cold. What do you think? This I guess twofold. What what will the course look like? I mean, I know you got the preview of it. At the regional championships last year, like what? But what would it? What would a national championships on March fifteenth? If we can envision it, what would it look like on this brand new course?
1: Well, like you said, it could be eighty degrees, or it could be fifteen. You just don't know. And it could be covered in snow. It could be, you know, wet and muddy. It could be dry and firm like a track. I mean, the footing on our course is so good that um, it's just perfectly smooth. Um, it's Bermuda grass, so it will be dormant. It'll be you know yellow dormant grass. So one thing we have to be careful: of, we can't run too many meats in the winter because if we get a wet muddy day, we run on it and tear it up. It isn't growing back by March fifteenth, right? It's going to be torn up. So we are going to be very very limited in what we do once the growing season stops, which is probably another three weeks, four weeks. They'll stop growing, and from that point forward, we got to be very careful because uh, I don't want I want to I want a you know really good um, surface to run on. So. It, it, it drains really well. even if we get rain on the day, it doesn't hold water. It's all elevated with drainage systems underneath. So um, it shouldn't be even if we get a lot of rain, it shouldn't be too, too bad. I'll knock on wood. I mean I'm sure we can get one of those one in 50 year storms that, that puts it underwater. but for the most part, it should be nice. And I would I would guess on average it's going to be 60 degrees and sunny. That would be my guess.
0: Well, we would take that every day of the week. Uh, Dave, yeah. thank you so much for coming on. Uh, appreciate all your responses. Wish your team the best of luck going forward. And I guess we hope to see you March at the latest for, for these NCAA cross-country championships.
1: I'm hoping. Fingers crossed. All right. Thanks. All right. See you, guys. Bye.
2: Thank you.